Well, good morning and welcome uh, to Great Hills Baptist Church. My name is Danny Forshe and I serve as the pastor here at Great Hills in Austin, Texas. And so delighted to have you join in uh, with us today. Uh, maybe you're watching us on our YouTube channel or perhaps through uh, Facebook and the live stream. And so we're just delighted to have you. If you are watching through uh, Facebook, click the share button. And that will do a couple things. That will let people know that you are worshiping the Lord uh, at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And it may just encourage other people uh, to join in uh, with us. So go ahead and click your Facebook share uh, button. Again, delighted to have you join with us uh, today. Next Sunday will be a very, very special day. First time in three months. Can you imagine that? First time in three months, our church will be together in the worship center Worshiping the Lord here at 10,500 Jollyville Road. And so I want you to know you're so invited and so welcome to come. Will it look different? Absolutely. Churches all over the world look so very different with social distancing, uh, with some people wearing masks. And well, at least at Great Hills, uh, our greeters and um, first impression team members will be wearing masks. We do ask you to wear a mask from the parking lot uh, into the sanctuary. When you have a seat, go ahead and take it off. And so uh, be patient with us. Yeah, you should have received um, an email from our executive pastor, Terry Hurd, explaining in detail what it will look like on June the 7th from the moment you come in on the parking lot to the moment that you exit. We've got a We've got a great plan. We're just praying for wisdom and praying that God gives you patience as we're all in this thing together. But what a blessing it will be. June the 7th, 11 o'clock, come on. Now, it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait. Um, Jeff Fair, our brand new worship pastor, will be his first uh, Sunday with us. He and Brother Terry will be leading out in worship. It's gonna be a great day and I'm really, really uh, excited about it. I guess you know by now that as a pastor, I love uh, the church of the living God. I am a churchman. I love studying the church, its history. I love looking at its strengths and its weaknesses. And I love being a pastor and an evangelist in a local church. So our text today is Acts chapter nine. If you have your Bible, love for you to turn with me. Acts chapter nine. Uh, if you don't, then look at the bottom of the screen here in verse 31 and you can read along with me as you're worshiping the Lord there in your home or maybe in your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever you are. I'm just delighted to have you join in with us today. Great Hills, let me tell you again how much we love you. We appreciate you and the way you support your church and thank you for especially the way you give your tithes and your offerings during these, uh, during these crazy pandemic days. And so thank you for going to our website at ghbc.org uh, uh, forward slash give. That's a great place for you to uh, give your tithes and your offerings, or you can uh, text Great Hills to 45777 and follow the prompts and you can give electronically that way as well. So thank you, I just gotta say it. Thank you for all your support, all your prayers and the way you've just rallied. And it's just, it's a, such a blessing uh, to see it. So we're in the book of Acts, chapter nine, verse 31. Church on the Move is the title of the series of messages. <laughs> I've been preaching Acts for many months. Who knows how many months it'll take us to get through the entire 28 chapters, but I love it. Church on the Move and love studying the works of the Holy Spirit in the church then and in the church today. And so our verse is 31. The title of our message today is the making of a championship church. Last time, 
We looked at what it takes to make a champion follower of Christ and how God took Saul of Tarsus and transformed him and made him into the great man of God uh, that he was. He went from a persecutor to a great preacher, a prince, a champion uh, for the church of God. And so today we look at the salient features, the key attributes, the characteristics, if you will, and it's all just codified and it's just all summarized in this one passage of scripture. And so verse 31, we're gonna exegete it. We're gonna look at it. We're gonna look at modern examples. We're gonna do some word studies. I'm excited. God bless you. Thank you for tuning us in. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for our day. Thank you for the day we get to worship you. Pray for next Sunday. We go phenomenally well. God, you would bless us with great patience and perseverance. We'd have a wonderful day in the Lord. And speak to us now. Oh God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter nine, verse 31 says, then the churches, ecclesia, plural, the churches throughout all Judea, and Galilee and Samaria had peace, all right? And they were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So we're gonna look at verse 31 today and look at about five characteristics of a championship church then all throughout church history, 2000 years, all the way up to our day today, churches that are really thriving, that are champion churches will have these characteristics about them. And so as a pastor here at Great Hills, oh, we're striving for this. We wanna see those principles very much actuated and alive in our local church here uh, in Austin. You know, before this pandemic hit, you know, around the end of February, beginning of March, In the United States, somewhere between 75 and 80% of all churches in the USA had either plateaued or they were in decline. Think about that. Almost eight out of every 10 churches in the USA had reached the point of plateau. In other words, the great years were behind them or worse, they were in decline. Since the pandemic, this is crazy. Almost 50% of the churches in the USA are now growing. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that interesting? That almost 50% have shown an increase in their attendance. Here at Great Hills, we've seen a, a tremendous increase in the number of people worshiping with us since the pandemic. So it just goes to show that God is in control. And Jesus made us a promise. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said, I will build my church, watch this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's interesting to me that within the same sentence or the same verse that Jesus says he's building his church, we read that Satan is attacking his church. And that will be the way it will be until Jesus comes again. He says, I am building my church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it, but the gates of hell are going against the church. But God wins. Hallelujah. I love his church. I love the fact that many of you watching us today are part of a local church. Of course, all of us are part of the big C church if we know Christ. And according to the New Testament, all of us should be actively involved in a local assembly where we meet together, we fellowship, we encourage one another and we band together as brothers and sisters and go and preach the gospel and reach people in our communities. Are you ready for this? 
five characteristics of a championship church. The first characteristic that Luke gives us, you'll notice is the word peace. He says in verse 31, the churches throughout all Judea and Samaria and Galilee, they had, they had peace. The Greek word there is arene. And some definitions of this Greek word arene mean prosperity, quietness, rest. The idea is one of unity. It's the idea of being together. Now the early church, they were together. Now the 120 has grown radically, right? And because of the persecution of the Jews, they have grown and the Romans. However, one of the great things that happened to the early church is the person who persecuted them the most, Saul got saved and now he is a champion and a prince in the church. By the way, Rome at this time, now remember we're only in AD 40s, about that time frame right now. Rome still looks at the church as a part of the sect of Judaism. Now, Nero in the 60s, things are gonna change dramatically and the church is gonna be uh, persecuted in a violent way. But for right now, the church is experiencing peace. And part of that peace, you cannot explain it except for a unified spirit among the body of Christ. They had a lot against them, so they saw that it was so important for them to band together. Yes, they were dispersed and they were decentralized, and yet they were experiencing the peace of God. Look, the presence of God, the unity that only the Holy Spirit can give. Remember what Jesus said in John 17, 21. I love this verse, that they all may be one. That was Jesus' prayer and they are living that prayer, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us so that, watch this, that the world may believe that you sent me. Peace and unity. Look, this is the first thing that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write in a summation, in a codified word of the characteristics of a great church, a champion church is that they are unified. Now, everybody doesn't see eye to eye, I get that, but there is a sense of passionate unity among the body of Christ where they love each other, they support one another. Look, they had to come together so much against them, but God was with them and they were locking arms and they were irene. They had peace, they had unity, they had prosperity, they had rest. It's so vitally important. Number two, they had what I call encouragement. Did you see this word there in verse 31? Uh, they had peace and they were edified. And I call this edification encouragement. It's interesting, very interesting Greek word, okidomeo. Okidomeo, the root word is oikos. And that word means house. Literally, the word means to build, edify, to encourage as if you were building or constructing a house. And so encouragement and edification are such a vital part of a local church. What does that look like? How is the church built up and edified? Well, I think through the passionate preaching and teaching of the early church. You got Peter preaching, you got Paul, you got Philip, you got Stephen before he was martyred. You got the early church and building one another up, encouraging one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. And look, that kind of church, 
that is focused on edification and encouragement and positive and loving one another. Mm, Look, you can't suppress a church like that. It reminds me of the church at Jerusalem. The 120, remember in Acts chapter two, they were together and then they just, man, it just exploded. I mean, astronomical, exponential growth. And you see in Acts chapter two, for example, verses 44 and 45. Now, all who believed were together. Are you with me? (laughs) Their sense of encouragement and passion and edification, they were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among all, watch this, as anybody had a need. You just sense it, it just pulsates with this sense of, encouragement and edifying. Oh, you're down and out, let me help you. You have a financial need, let me help you. The pastors are teaching the resurrected Christ and the difference that he makes in a person's life. And the church of the living God is building each other up with words of affirmation and deeds of affirmation and encouragement. And man, isn't that exciting? You see, this is the blueprint. This is the way that God intends all of his local churches to be. First of all, they have peace. And secondly, they have this sense of edifying and, and building. You know, oikid domeo, it literally means to build your house. I remember, Ashley, my wife and I, we built two homes. Ooh, that's a lot of work. It could put a stress on your marriage, you know, if you're not careful. So the last house we built in Arkansas, it was our dream home. Little did we know that we would only be there like a a year and a half after we built this home. And so taught me a good lesson. Don't hold on to things too tightly. Just hold everything loosely. I remember we had a great uh, builder, uh, Justin, in our church, did a great job constructing this. But I noticed that he didn't pour any of the concrete. Um, He didn't, you know, put the bricks and lay the sheetrock or do the electrical or the plumbing. He had other people, his general, he was the general contractor and he had subcontractors that were doing, and it's interesting. I compare that like to a church. I'm just one person. Maybe I'm the general contractor, you know, and I'm preaching the word of God and praying for you and, and giving a visionary leadership, but it takes everybody Everybody has their part where they put their brick of encouragement in or they help construct that roof of edification. And so it's such an interesting concept that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to use this root word oikos, to edify as if we were building a structure of a physical house, let us put the same energy and effort in constructing God's house, his church that he loves so much. Remember, Jesus said, this is my idea. (laughs) He said, I don't like the church. You got to take that up with him. He said, I will build my church. And yes, there will be opposition, but the opposition will not prevail because this is God's invention. It's God's idea and it will flourish with all of our problems and all of our warts and all of our freckles and all of our difficulties and all of the division but Jesus wins. And it's a beautiful thing to see the church knit together. Like Paul says in in Ephesians chapter four, he says, but speaking the truth in love, he's talking about the church. We may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Verse 16 of Ephesians four, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. He's using the analogy of, of, a, of a human physical body. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Yes. 
causes growth of the body for the okidomeo, same word, root word, oikos, for the building up or the edifying of itself in love. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for verse 31 that shows us what a championship church looks like. You say, yeah, but that was just good for then. No, it's good for then and it's good for today. Third characteristic, this third attribute of a championship church is this word righteousness. You see, Luke says it this way, and walking in the fear of the Lord. Woo, come on now. Walking in the phobeo of the Lord. These people, this early church, they feared God. Not only did they revere God and stand in awe and astonishment of Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but there was a fear of God. It was a healthy fear where they realized God is just, God is holy, and He's a righteous God, and we are His people. And when we sin against God, then God disciplines us. God chastises us. Now, I know, I know this is not good preaching in the 21st century. We don't want to talk about righteousness. We don't want to talk about sanctification. And we certainly don't want to talk about the discipline of God. But let me tell you something. It was vitally important in the early church. In fact, this early church, they walked with God so much and they saw God Remember Ananias and Sapphira, remember that story in Acts chapter five where, I mean, God took them out because they sinned against God. Look, God is not in the cosmos somewhere above the universe with a big lightning bolt just going, mm, I'm just gonna take you out. Oh, you did something wrong, shazam, take him out. No, that's not God at all. But God is holy and God is just and God is pure and he wants his people to be that way. And when we violate God's clear commandments, if we are the children of God, then he will chastise us and discipline us. I like the way O.S. Hawkins, the president and CEO of Godstone Investments, he says it this way, I fear God taking his hand off of me more than I fear God putting his hand on me. Righteousness, walking in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 puts it this way, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Look, that's the very beginning. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Oh, a healthy dose of the holiness of God. It would do us all, it would do us all a great favor if we really believed in the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and that God's called us to be that way. We're not to be eccentric and weird, and, and we are to be different. And we are to walk with other believers, hand in hand, arm in arm, not of the world, but, but in the world, you know, representing Christ. Look, we are little Christ in this world. That's what the word Christian means. And so, man, I, I know this is not popular preaching in the world, especially in America today, when you talk about holiness and righteousness and sanctification, but I'm telling you, this was a key component of the early church. In the book of Acts, they walked in the fear of the Lord. All right, so we got peace and unity. We got edification and encouragement. We got righteousness, the fear of God. But notice this next one. Oh, I love this one. 
I put it this way, they were spirit led. Do you see it in verse 31? Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Interesting word choice here that Luke uses the word paracletus. That's the word that's translated comfort. It's the paraclete word that Jesus used describing the Holy Spirit. The word literally means to call near. And so the, the Holy Spirit is moving in power in this early church. And they are walking in this comfort that the Holy Spirit is giving them. I would put it this way. They are a spirit-led bunch and you can't help but have joy. How about this? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You can't help but have, watch this, the fruit of the Holy Spirit when you're walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and you're being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some people argue that this book that we're reading from, the book of Acts, should not be called the Acts of the Apostles. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You see, he was so instrumental, so dynamically working in that church, filling every believer, giving every Christian multiple gifts to use for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit power, love, and a sound mind. They were led by the Spirit, not only corporately as the pastors and the apostles, they're preaching, teaching, giving leadership corporately, but each individual member was walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, being led by the very Spirit of God. A few years ago, we were in Cuba on a mission trip. And they said, we're going to go to the church in communist Cuba. And I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. Where's the building? And there ain't no building. They took me into a, an apartment complex. And I was like, okay, where, where's, where are the people? And they said, well, there's so many. Follow me. So we went to this apartment. We went into this little room. And I saw some people. And I was like, okay. And they opened the back door of the apartment. And I was like, oh, wow. And there they were in the trees sitting on the ground. They were everywhere. No modern amenities, no comfort like what we have here in America, but they had this big smile on their faces. They were so excited to be together and worship God. And they were so excited to see the, us, our little team from America come and share the word of God with them. There was no complaining. I didn't see any gossiping. I just saw a bunch of people filled with the Holy Spirit of God and just blessed and happy to be there. Mm, that's a characteristic of a championship church. Holy Spirit inspired and led. You know, I've been reading and studying about this young African-American pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I want to introduce him to you. His name is Mike Todd. I'm just going to introduce him through my message here. But I heard a great interview of him a couple of weeks ago on the Carrie Newhoff podcast. Mike Todd was 26 years of age in 2015, and he became the pastor of Transformation Church there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The church had been pastored and led by a gentleman, a white male, and he turned this this leadership over to this young African-American. What a beautiful thing, by the way. Hey, in heaven, there is no racism. 
praise God in Revelation 21, four, there's no sin in heaven. And I believe it's incumbent upon the church of the living God for us to eradicate every residue of racism that has so permeated our great land. And so can you picture in your mind's eye this, this older white male handing over the pastorate of the church to this young man named Mike Todd. He said for the first year, not much really happened. Yeah, we had our schisms, we had our divisions. He said, I felt the Lord, hello, code for Holy Spirit led. I felt the Lord, he said, leading me to buy cameras and media equipment. It's about $80,000. And the people are like, have you lost your mind, pastor? He goes, no, I just feel like the Lord wants me to do this. He's preparing us for something big in two and a half years. <laughs> two and a half years, they were just, you know, just recording his messages and they, they didn't grow a whole lot until something, I think you can only describe this as the direct intervention of God. There's a young lady in Tulsa. She heard Pastor Mike Todd preach on relationship goals. And she goes, this is really a good message. And so she, she posted it on Instagram and it blew up. I mean, it went viral. And, and Pastor Mike says, and then I understood why God wanted me to record all these messages for two and a half years when nobody but my mama, he said, he said, basically it was my mom and our people in our church, about a hundred subscribers to our YouTube channel. But when that one girl posted, it just took off and it exploded on them. I want to read some the excerpt from this podcast. He says, for two and a half years, we saw nothing happen except uh, what we would put on our messages from Sunday. hundred people would watch, primarily my mom and our people. Two and a half years, nothing. And then this girl posted and two million people, two million people watch this message, relationship goals in 48 hours. So what ends up happening in the moment, we go from 1,800 YouTube subscribers to 100,000 in less than 45 days. He said, all I know is Instagram starts blowing up. I have 4,800 followers on Instagram. I'm having dinner with my wife, he says, at P.F. Chang's. And he goes, honey, we just added 10,000 followers on Instagram. And and he goes, well, that has to be a mistake. Instagram must be bugged. Something is wrong. I think what they did is Black Panther had just come out, the movie, Marvel movie, Black Panther. They thought that I was Michael B. Jordan, not Michael Todd. But I'm not going to tell Instagram. He says, next day, 10,000 more followers. Thursday, 10,000 more followers. And I'm like, what is going on here? Then I start talking to some people at our church and they're like, yeah, pastor, people have posted all over Facebook, the relationship goals thing. And Mike Todd said, and I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I was literally oblivious today. They bought an arena in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They run 4,500, not 350, 4,500 people. And if you were to ask Mike Todd, help us explain this, and, and, and Kerry Newhoff did, help us explain this phenomenon. He would say, it's God. God does what only God can do by the Holy Spirit's blessing and empowerment. 
He led me to preach those sermons on relationships. He led that young lady to post on Instagram and it went viral and he goes, you just gotta, you just gotta say, look what God did. I love stories like that because the Holy Spirit of God He wants the church, the ecclesia of the living God to go all over this globe and reach people, and love people into the kingdom of God. The final thing I wanna share with you from this text is just this whole principle, not of addition, but of multiplication. Verse 31, the church is throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria. That should sound familiar, Acts 1.8. Jesus said, This is going to happen. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. They had peace, remember that, and unity. Number two, they were edified, they were encouraged and they were walking in the fear of the Lord. Don't miss that. There was a sense of righteousness and holiness about these people. They loved God, they feared God, they respected God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, spirit spirit-led, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete was comforting them, filling them And what happened? They were multiplied. They they just did not have simple addition. This was God's arithmetic. This was God's mathematics. And this church that started with 120 had so grown in Judea, throughout Jerusalem, Judea, up north through Samaria, further north on up to Galilee. And then it just, I mean, spreads throughout the known world. And by the way, that is a characteristic of a healthy church, a championship church. Think about it. Healthy families, they grow. Healthy apple trees, they grow. Healthy economies, they grow. Healthy businesses, they expand. Healthy churches, they grow. They reach people who were not reached. That is a characteristic of a dynamic championship church. That church reaches people. I praise God that we have this opportunity at Great Hills that we are reaching more people than we've ever reached. Now, I know it's online, but that's all we had for three months. We could not meet as a church, but praise God. It can only be attributed to the mighty hand of God, the intervention of the Holy Spirit to lead us to have a media ministry, to have a social media ministry so that when this pandemic hits us, it doesn't catch us unawares, we're ready. We're poised to reach thousands upon thousands of people during this time. And I praise God for that. God does what only God can do. Whatever city you are in or state or nation, let me encourage you, don't give up on the church. It's God's idea. Most of the New Testament is written to a bunch of Christians, to churches, the church at Colossae, the church at Rome. Acts of the Holy Spirit, Acts of the Apostles, it it talks about the, the embryonic early church and how it just metastasizes spiritually and then numerically, and it just grows to the point that you're here. (laughs) I'm here because of Jesus' promise that he would build his church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. I'm a churchman, I hope you are. And I really hope next Sunday, June the 7th, as many of you that can to come. Now I know there'll be social distancing. I know that anybody who's sick or has a cough, we ask you to stay home. We're not gonna have childcare. We're not gonna have children's worship. We're gonna be very limited, but wouldn't it be great 
in our big sanctuary here to see you come and, and to see us you know, spread out, but we could see each other and we can't shake hands, can't hug each other, I know that, but we could see each other and we could just say, praise God, man, I'm looking forward to June the 7th. Do you know the Lord? Man, do you have this joy of Jesus pulsating in you? If not, man, I invite you today, give your life to the Lord, become a part of his big C church. Receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then find you a good little C church that is missional, that is biblical, that is unified, that has peace and encouragement and righteousness and full of the Holy Spirit and is growing. Find that church. They're out there. They need you. They want you. God bless you. Let me encourage you with a word of prayer. And after I say amen, we're going to have our Band's gonna come back up. They got one more song for us. They're gonna sing a song out in praise and worship. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person, the thousands of people, God, who have been watching us all over the globe. It's just, it just blows my mind. And God, you have poised us and positioned us for such a time as this. And we thank you. We thank you, God, for the church. We pray for the listener today, God, for whoever's listening, man, woman, child, boy, girl, student, senior adult, whoever they may be, I pray for them that they have heard this message. And Lord, really they heard you speaking to them, drawing them into a relationship. If you're listening today and you wanna receive Christ as your savior, I just invite you to pray this prayer. Just say, dear God, I need you and I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender all. And when you do that, Praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for saving people. If you prayed with me and you received the Lord, hallelujah, let us know. Let somebody know so we can encourage you in your brand new faith. Father, I pray for new Christians. I pray for the saints who've been walking with you for many decades that, Lord, we would follow this pattern that you've given us, this blueprint, this beautiful picture of what a New Testament church looks like. Lord, I strive for that. I, I've given my life for this, Lord, for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom here on this earth. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you are triumphant and that your church, Lord, is triumphant and you're coming again and we rejoice in that great day. Until then, Lord, we serve you with gladness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.